Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. It's the Cleveland Guardians 7, the Cincinnati Reds 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Guardians fans, we didn't score double-digit runs. I, you're going to have to settle for single-digit runs in this game. I know we all wanted to see another 10 spot thrown up there, but a 7-3 win, pretty solid. Not only that, it sweeps the series, short series, two-game series. It brings the Ohio Cup back home. I know the, the trophy that we all covet, right? It's, I mean, it's basically Stanley Cup, Ohio Cup, and then I, I don't know. I don't know what the next best trophy would be. Uh, maybe the Illy Buck trophy. Does anybody get that reference? It's a, it's a college football turtle trophy between Illinois and Ohio State. Why there's a trophy between Illinois and Ohio State, I don't know. It's called the Illy Buck. Um, isn't there one? I think there's a trophy for the Great Lakes, whatever, classic or whatever, between Cleveland Browns and the Detroit Lions in their preseason football game. I'm pretty sure there's a trophy that goes back and forth. Anyways, yeah, small trophies. It's not just for college football. It's also for baseball, the Ohio Cup. All right, let's get into the details of this game. And it was another fun one from the Guardians. I mean, yeah, they had a chance in the first inning. They had a big chance in the second inning. They are able to scratch across two runs, which is great. It probably could have been more. They had the bases loaded. They were gifted the bases loaded. But they ended up scoring in the second, third, fourth, and fifth innings. And, it, I mean, really kind of put the game out of reach pretty quickly uh, against a rookie pitcher for the Reds, a very highly coveted rookie pitcher in Nick Lodolo. So let's get into the storylines of this game. And the big storyline for me is Owen Miller and Oscar Mercado. What has changed for these two guys? Because they both deliver huge on this day. Owen Miller would deliver two home runs on the day. He's three for five. Two runs scored, obviously, on the two home runs. Two RBIs, they were two solo home runs. Okay, so that's how we did all this damage on the day. But two big home runs from Owen Miller. And then Oscar Mercado adds a home run himself and a double. Oscar Mercado has only extra base hits this season. Anything he's hit has been an extra base hit. A double, a triple, and three home runs from Oscar Mercado. And Mercado's in an interesting situation here. Uh, Miller is just on fire, just red hot. He's second in batting average. He's two points behind Stephen Kwan, who did come back to earth a little bit. He was 0 for 4, but a big bases loaded walk drives in a run. Um, he did suffer his first strikeout. We will get to that when we talk about Nick Lodolo in his debut for the Reds. Um, so he comes back to earth a little bit. Owen Miller is now two points behind him in batting average at 524. I know early season batting averages are ridiculous. These will all eventually come back to earth and be in the 300, 200 range. And we'll be excited about that. If if it gets to the all-star break and Owen Miller is hitting like 280, he's not going to be hitting 524 at the all-star break. But if he's hitting like 280, 290, I think we're all going to be really excited about that. He is leading the team in OPS, though, at 1.593. So just red hot from Owen Miller. Uh, he also had a single to go with those, uh, an infield single, I believe, to go with those two home runs. Now, Oscar Mercado, a little bit different. He's hitting 200. All right, not great. But his OPS is 880 because of that slugging percentage, 
when he's making contact, big things are happening. So in 880 OPS, I mean, this is kind of the numbers you would expect to see from uh, Bobby Bradley type, right? Who doesn't, you know, hit for a high average, but has a lot of power. So his OPS looks pretty good because of that slugging. Nope, it's Oscar Mercado who's doing it. Bobby Bradley can't even see the field right now because Owen Miller is that red hot. He's literally been playing that good that Bobby Bradley can't see the field and get at bats. Neither can Chang. Uh, and I know a lot of you out there are ready for them to move on from Bobby Bradley and Chang. And Owen Miller is making that decision very easy. So let's talk a little bit about Owen Miller and Oscar Mercado. I actually went back and found their old scouting reports. Uh, Owen Miller, going back to the 2020 season, he was the 20th ranked prospect in the Guardian system. We had just got him from for the Mike Clevenger trade from San Diego. And one of the beauties of that trade was it was hard to say there was a centerpiece to that trade. We got back a lot of guys in that Clevenger trade, right? We got Arias. We got Quantrill. We got Miller. We got Joey Cantilla, I believe. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of names in that, and it was kind of like, hey, send us a handful of prospects, and we'll see which ones you know make it. We'll find the diamonds in the rough here, and uh, Owen Miller was one of those guys. So back in 2020, he's the 20th ranked prospect in our system. They've got him as a hit grade of 55. Remember, the scouting grades are on a scale from 20 to 80, so 55 is pretty respectable. Power, they've only got him as a 40. Run a 50, average run, arm a 45, kind of a weak arm. Field, they only had him at a 45, and overall at a 45. So, um, the thing about the scouting report that made interest to me was this line here. Miller has a knack for making solid contact from the right side of the plate, producing line drives to all fields with his compact stroke. All right. He boasts a strong feel for the strike zone and has enough pop to produce 12 to 15 homers on an annual basis. He's drawn comparisons, apparently, to Mark Loretta, if you remember Mark Loretta. Um, That was in the scouting report here on MLB.com. All right, so, solid contact from the right side of the plate, producing line drives to all fields. Isn't that what we saw yesterday? Isn't that exactly what we saw? He gets uh, an inside pitch and turns on it, quick hands, and drives it out into left field. Big home run there. And then the one to right field, it didn't look like he was trying to hit a home run. Same thing with Jose Ramirez. Uh, a little bit later. Didn't seem like they were necessarily trying to hit a home run to right center field. They were just trying to drive the ball out to right center field. They let the bat do the work. They used their hips and their legs to drive the ball out to right center field, and the bat uh, and that contact just let it carry, right? You hit the sweet spot of the bat, the bat will do a lot of the work. So, uh, especially when you're going opposite field, the opposite field alley. Uh, So that's what exactly what Owen Miller has delivered so far to start this season. He's kind of delivering on that promise. And that hit grade of 55 and that power grade of 40 might have been selling him a little bit short. Uh, If we we go back to his stats, can I pull up some of his minor league stats? Yeah. Uh, In that 2019 season, he's a 290 hitter. When he comes to Columbus in 2021, he's a 297 hitter uh, with a huge on-base percentage. Uh, His OPS in Columbus was up to 863, so there was always promise there. Now, when he got up to the majors in 2021, really tough transition. He only had 204 last year, 309 slugging, 552 OPS. I mean, terrible. That's that's terrible. No defense of that. That's just terrible. But that's his first season, first taste of major league hitting. 
Now, second taste of Major League Hitting. Obviously, ridiculous, off-the-chart stats right now. So, as he comes back down to earth, will he continue to produce, hit those alleys, hit those line drives? you got to be loving the swing from Owen Miller right now. And the other one is, uh, actually, hang on, hang on. I got more Owen Miller numbers for you. I went over to Fangraphs and take a look at Fangraphs. Sometimes you never know when Fangraphs is going to update their stuff, when Baseball Reference is going to update their stuff. Uh, so it's hard to go to some of these for reactionary type podcasts like we have here. But they've got the stuff updated for Owen Miller. And I thought, what are some differences between last year and this year that we can look at and say he's doing much better at? Well, he's handling fastballs better. Way in the negative numbers for how they his weighted value against fastballs, uh, according to Fangraphs. Negative 5.3 last year. This year, he's at positive 3.7. That's a huge shift. That's a huge change. He's doing better against every pitch because obviously he's hitting 500. But handling fastballs, being that bad against fastballs last year versus being that good against fastballs this year, that's a huge difference. That is a real positive sign of growth that we can look at the numbers and say, yes, Owen Miller can now hit fastballs. Uh, the other thing that he's doing is he's swinging more. He's being more aggressive, whether it's outside the zone swinging, inside the zone swinging, the O swing, and the Z swing, if you're looking at fan graphs. Um, he's making more contact outside the zone. He's making more contact inside the zone. So he's gone from last year, he swung 48.9% of the time. He's up to 552 But the contact rate, he went from 76.3% contact in his rookie year. He's now at 92.5% contact rate. That's a huge jump. Swinging strike fell from 11.6%, which I don't think is that terrible, to 4.2% swinging strike. So huge swings there. Huge swings in contact rate and stuff like that. And that's pretty big. Now looking at Oscar Mercado, we got to jump back to the uh, 2019 prospect rankings. And we'll find Oscar Mercado on the list He's uh, a little bit down. Remember, he made his debut in 2019. And some of the names on this list, it's interesting. Um, Oscar Mercado checked in at the 19th ranked prospect. Remember, we got him from St. Louis. He was actually listed as a shortstop here. He came in as a shortstop, and they moved him to center field when he just wasn't hitting as a shortstop. Now, the scouting report on him was a hit 45, a power 40, a run 60, an arm 55, a fielding 60, overall a 45 grade. Now, definitely the speed and the defense we have seen. That has lived up to the hype. The hitting and the power, that's still interesting here. Um, basically, the, the scouting report says, uh, while Mercado has gotten better at the plate, he still may not provide enough offense to be an everyday player in the big leagues. He's showing more bad speed than he did when he played shortstop and makes consistent contact, but he may have a ceiling as an average hitter with just decent power and on-base ability. A plus runner, he has base-stealing aptitude and swipes a total of 158 bags in his first four full seasons. All right, so that's kind of the report on Mercado. However, the stats, he shows up in 2019, and suddenly you think we found ourselves... Um, um, he was a center fielder, so you thought you found the center fielder of the future. You thought you finally solved that problem. He hits 269 with a 761 OPS, which for a center fielder isn't terrible. Um, he hits 25 doubles, three triples, and 15 home runs. That is a lot of extra base hits for a rookie. And you're feeling pretty good about that, and he just falls off a cliff in 2020. He can't hit anything in 2020. He had 11 hits over that shortened season, right? That 
obviously COVID shortened season. On 86 at bats, he only has 11 hits, 128 batting average. I mean, it's brutal. Uh, in 2021, he he shows some signs of life, gets the average up to 224 with a 669 OPS, but that's still a well below average player right there. Uh, 11 doubles, one triple, and six home runs. So not really racking up the extra base hits. Well, now this season, uh, definitely racking up the extra base hits. Not hitting for a high average yet, but definitely racking up the extra base hits and making an impact that way. So what has changed for Oscar Mercado uh, in this season, is he handling pitches any better? He's actually always been okay against fastballs. The one pitch that he's doing much better against right now is the slider. They had him at a negative five weighted value against the slider on fan graphs. Now he's in the positive. He's at 0.3. So if you go from being that bad to at least back to positive numbers, that's a huge difference. Uh, if that's a pitch he apparently really struggled with. Uh, was the slider. And as far as some of those swinging numbers I was telling you about for Miller, well, it's kind of the same thing for Oscar Mercado. He's swinging a little more, whether it's outside the zone or inside the zone. His swing has gone from 47.2% to 55.2%. So he's being more aggressive and he's also making a little more contact. Uh, Actually, the contact rate has stayed about the same. Uh, He's gone from 74.2% to 75.5%. He is making a little more contact when he goes outside the zone. Um, so that prevents strikeouts, right? That's that's fouling a ball off. That counts. I believe I believe Fangraphs counts that as making contact, right? It's not a swing and miss. So uh, that's what's going on for Oscar Mercado. And I wonder, I, I believe, I believe when they were reporting when the new hitting coach got here, Chris Valeka, I believe Owen Miller and Oscar Mercado were two names that were talked about who were in Cleveland working with him in an off-season program before the lockout happened. And those are two guys that are delivering big on this offense. I mean, Mercado, we talk about Stephen Kwan, and we joke about how Stephen Kwan's great play is what got Bradley Zimmer traded. It's also Oscar Mercado. Oscar Mercado being able to be out there almost every day right now has really made Zimmer expandable. I mean, Zimmer wasn't making contact, wasn't delivering. Mercado is now. And if Mercado can get back to anything he was in 2019, if he can keep delivering power, and right now I would not be challenging Oscar Mercado inside with a fastball because his hands look fast. Owen Miller's hands look fast. You know, we always talk about exit velocity. I would love to see StatCast start doing something for hand speed because the hand speed of the hitters, is that's a, that's a huge difference. When you can turn on an inside pitch, that's hips, legs, and hand speed. So, that's what's going on with Mercado and Miller, and it's it's been a huge part of the offense so far. All right, the other storylines in this game, Lodolo was making his Major League debut. He was a number two-ranked prospect uh, for the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds going into the season, along with Hunter Green, another pitcher. So, the Reds are definitely looking at the rookies and letting their rookies run, uh, their young pitchers run, to see what they've got here. I mean, they are in a rebuild mode right now. Uh, there's still a few guys they're hanging on to. Uh, Moustakas is probably the one guy they're like hanging on to uh, that doesn't really fit the rebuild. Joey Votto is the red for life. He's just there in the middle of the lineup. He's actually struggling a lot. He's hitting 143 to start the season. So that's not great from Votto. I'm sure that's not helping the Reds at all. But they are definitely in, in some kind of rebuild mode here. 
And it'll be interesting to see how much they continue to transform this team. Are they sellers at the deadline? Because I think their record's going to be pretty rough by the time the deadline comes around. Uh, so yeah, they've they've got a few players that people might be interested in. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, obviously they've got an excellent catcher in Tyler Stevenson, and the Guardians need a catcher. Now Stevenson is very young. I don't I don't know if they're going to be selling Stevenson, but. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And guys like Nick Lodolo are going to continue to get chances now. It doesn't go very well. Four innings pitch, seven hits, five earned runs, three walks, four strikeouts, two home runs allowed, not to mention two hit batters, I believe. Uh, so yeah, he starts his major league career with an 11.25 ERA. So not the best from Lodolo. Uh, he works his way out of trouble in the first inning. He does survive the first inning there, even though the Guardians have a couple of guys on. Straw, by the way, went four for five yesterday with a walk. He was on base five times. Way to kick things off. He kicks the game off with a single. He does strike out Quan. He gets Quan looking on a low fastball. Um, so, yeah, Quan and Lodolo will always be tied. Lodolo's first major league strikeout, Quan's first major league strikeout he's ever had to take uh, come against each other. Jose Ramirez would then single. Fermil Reyes would strike out on a slider that was it was on the plate. It broke back to him, and he just swung and missed. Fermil Reyes really struggling in the four spot. And then uh, Amen Rosario lines out to a diving Tyler Naquin. So, um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Lines out to Tyler Naquin. For some reason, they have the image from the second inning here. Uh, from the line, from the lineout we will talk about. I believe that's Fermil Reyes's lineout to end the second. For some reason, they have that with Ahmed Rosario's lineout. So, sorry about that. Um, then in the second inning, things get really weird. With uh, one out, he hits Ernie Clement. He strikes out Mercado, so now he's got two outs. He can get out of this thing. Instead, he walks Austin Hedges, which there's no excuse there. The guy hasn't gotten a hit yet. You got to challenge Austin Hedges. What are you doing walking, Hedgy? So, uh, they walk Hedges. He then walks Miles Straw. Stephen Kwan then works a four-pitch walk. So he brings in a run. The first run of the game comes in via walk. Then he hits Jose Ramirez on the back foot. Slightly scary moment. Ramirez is down for a second. Uh, I don't know if we ever heard what, uh, if he banged his knee going down or his foot, you know, twisted funny or just where the ball hit him on the foot took him a second to recover from. But he stays in the game. And then Fermil Reyes puts a good swing on him. Probably one of the best swings we've seen from Fermil Reyes all season, it's just that their center fielder, Jake Fraley, makes a nice diving catch on a line drive that's dying in front of him. That's that's a tough play for a center fielder right there. So he does give up two runs in that inning, but he's able to get out of it. And then it's the home run balls. The home run balls do him in. He gives up the home run to Owen Miller, and then he gives up a two-run home run to Jose Ramirez. And I wanted to go back to this one and really take a look here because this is the first pitch home run that Ramirez drives out to uh, right center field. And I think I tweeted this out, but man, I mean, have you ever seen anyone hit a home run 105.8 miles per hour, 406 feet to the opposite field gap and make it look that easy? Wasn't it just an easy, relaxed swing from Jose Ramirez? And it, it carries. It absolutely carries. I mean, Great American Ballpark is a home run park. Uh, but I wanted to go back to some of the matchups to see how we got here. So, his very first at-bat, uh, Jose Ramirez's at-bat against Lodolo. Lodolo starts him off first pitch sinker. Now, he does miss away. It's kind of uh, at the belly button. Uh, it misses away. Um, 
Now I say the belly button only to differ- differentiate between the between the belt and the letters, right? I need a landmark somewhere in between the belt and the letters, so that's what I settled on. Um, and then the next one is a sinker, which is basically his fastball, his his hard fastball, which he throws actually below the zone, and Jose Ramirez goes down and gets it and shoots it through into left field for a single. So he sees two sinkers to start that at bat. Next at bat, he comes up. This isn't that bases loaded situation after all those walks. First pitch sinker at the thighs, middle of the plate, takes it for a called strike. Next one, he gets hit by a curveball on the foot. All right. Two at-bats. What has he thrown him so far? Two hard sinkers to start the at-bat. He's seen the location now twice. Uh, So what does he do when he comes up for his third at-bat against him? First pitch, sinker, at the thighs, just below the belt. This one is out over the plate a little bit more, more on the outer third of the plate. And he puts it 105.8 miles per hour, 406 feet into the seats in right field. There you go. Sometimes, man, I love StatCast when we can go back and look at these things and go, oh, I get it. I get how Jose Ramirez did a first pitch home run. He's seen that first pitch three times now. But Dolo doesn't decide to mix it up. He has other pitches. Dolo threw other stuff on the day. But he threw a curve and a changeup. But instead, he comes back with that hard sinker. He threw it 51 times. I mean, he was really relying on that pitch. It only had a 27% CSW. So maybe he needed to mix it up a little bit more. Uh, Yeah, and especially to Jose Ramirez. Don't show him that same first pitch three times in a row. You're definitely going to pay for that. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, You never know what leads to a home run sometimes. But that one, it's a pretty good guess that seeing that pitch three at-bats in a row to start things off is what led to that home run. So that was the next storyline in the game for me. And the third storyline is just McKenzie looked good. So did Eli Morgan, for that matter. Uh, McKenzie goes four innings, three hits, no earned runs, no walks, six strikeouts on 67 pitches. He's only a hard hit twice. Eli Morgan then piggybacks on him. Now, this is how the piggyback is supposed to go. McKenzie limits the amount of time he goes through the lineup, right? Doesn't have to see hitters three times. Can get out of there after four innings and looking really good. Obviously, this is just because it's early in the season. Pitching that well, he is definitely going to continue to run. He definitely had another 30 pitches in him if this is August. But since it's the first, you know, first week of the season, technically still, uh, he goes four innings. It's a solid four innings. Yeah, it would have been nice to get him an early season win, but that's not important right now. Eli Morgan piggybacks off him, does give up a hit, does give up a home run. Uh, X-Bluely got smoked by Jake Fraley. Uh, he just challenged him inside with a fastball, and Fraley turned on it. Fast hands again. Uh, other than that, no hits, no walks, and four strikeouts, and he's only hard hit twice, including the home run. So, good piggybacking from Eli Morgan. And then uh, Sandlin comes in. Sandlin does get into a little bit of trouble, gives up back-to-back hits to Naquin and Stevenson, and then Emmanuel Clause finishes the game uh, with two strikeouts, doesn't get the save uh, on a 7-3 game, but closes out the game. That's how a piggyback is supposed to go. Your starter maybe goes through one once or twice through the lineup. Your next guy once or twice through the lineup. Then you bring in your big arms to finish the game. That is exactly not how it worked on opening day, where McKenzie was still in there in the eighth inning of a very close game. All right. McKenzie, you know, frankly, I thought he was just pitching really well. He was being aggressive. If we go over to the Illustrator, he was pounding the zone with that fastball. And it's 
pretty typical of what you'll see from McKenzie, where the fastball he's attacking with, the slider does sweep down and away. Uh, mostly he locates it to that glove side and into the next batter's box. He does. If I were a hitter, I would probably lay, if I saw that sweep on the ball, I would probably lay off because McKenzie does have a tendency to throw it across the zone. The curveball he'll land all over the place, which is the counter to that. I don't know how easy, hey, I'm no major league hitter. I have no idea how easy it is to pick up his curveball versus his slider. So uh, that may be why he gets so many people to chase outside the zone. We need Pitching Ninja to do one of those overlays so we can see the break on the ball, the release point from the curveball to the slider. Maybe that is why he gets so many people to chase that pitch down and away for those right-handed hitters. Uh, so yeah, so that was McKenzie on the day. His uh, He threw the fastball the most, 44 times. Doesn't have a high CSW on the fastball. Only 27%. A little bit low, but he had 16 foul balls uh, on 30 swings. Only five were put in play for an average exit velocity of 86.2. So, I mean, the foul balls don't show up in the CSW numbers, but they definitely lead to strikeouts, right? They definitely put you in a pitcher's count. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a pretty good pitching from Tristan McKenzie. A really solid start. The, the velocity was there, maxed out at 95.6 on the fastball, average 93.7. That is great to see from Tristan McKenzie. And uh, yeah, it was a really good start for him. Uh, Eli Morgan actually didn't rely on the changeup as much. His forcing fastball had a pretty good CSW, 48% CSW uh, on 21 fastballs. He got six whiffs and four called strikes on 21 fastballs. So really good job from Eli Morgan, known for his changeup, uh, using his forcing fastball. So I thought it was just some real solid pitching from the young Guardians pitchers. It's going to be really interesting to see what Eli Morgan's role is, because we all know he's kind of the sixth starter. But what's his role going to be when uh, rosters contract from 28 to 26 players? Uh, I believe the beginning of May. Uh, You know, obviously some of these guys, like Connor Pilkington was here as like a piggyback relief, guys aren't stretched out kind of relief. He may be someone who goes down when Josh Naylor is ready. If it's not, if they're not ready to DFA, right, they can't just move Chang or Bobby Bradley down. They'd have to, they'd have to basically release them and try to bring them back into their minors if they pass waivers. Um, Eli Morgan uh, is going to be in an interesting situation because they know he's a starter. But do they just keep him in the bullpen because this kind of thing works? He can go three innings in the middle of the game. So if someone doesn't have it, you can turn to Eli Morgan and be that long reliever for now until you need him to start. Or maybe in double headers he can start. You know, there's so many situations they might be able to use him here at the major league level and still get him enough innings, right? Keep that arm going as opposed to going back down to AAA where he would be starting every five days. So it'll be interesting to see what decision they make there. All right, those were my storylines on the game. My MVP for the day Yes, Miles Straw had four hits, was on base five times. That's fantastic. Yes, Jose Ramirez with three hits, including a double and a home run and three RBIs was incredible once again. But when you put up two home runs, I got to give MVP for the day to Owen Miller. What he's doing right now, I mean, that changes things. That is a that is a big difference maker for the Guardians offense and if he can establish himself as a middle-of-the-lineup hitter that can hit for home runs, that can hit line drives all over the field, that is, I mean, 
That's a game changer right there. That's the kind of player you've been looking for, that you've been searching for to fill up this lineup. And it makes us, I mean, we are really respectable one through six right now. You really, I mean, Fermil Reyes is ice cold, but everybody knows how quickly Fermil Reyes can heat up. Let's see him back in Cleveland so he can hit some bombs to those bleacher seats out in left field. And maybe that'll heat Fermil Reyes right up. Or maybe Fermil Reyes literally needs the weather to heat up before he heats up. Either way, one through six is a pretty decent lineup, pretty formidable lineup. And I would say if Oscar Mercado keeps this up, I mean, would you have gotten any more from a Michael Conforto than you're getting from Oscar Mercado right now? Someone suggested Justin Upton, who got released by the Angels, even though they still owed him like $25 million. No, that guy has been getting progressively worse the last few seasons. You you don't want to mess around with that. Mercado is kind of giving you what you were looking for right now. And he's playing fantastic defense, too. I mean, he had a sliding catch into the wall yesterday that was pretty outstanding. So, Mercado, yeah, he's making it work right now in right field. We'll see where Naylor ends up when he gets back, right? Because Owen Miller needs those at-bats at first base. So, does Naylor... I mean, Naylor's probably going to move between first and right field, just like he's been doing. Uh, Owen Miller will move between first and second. Uh, and yeah, and Mercado, we'll see, will get out there in right field, especially against left-handed pitching. So it'll be interesting to see. I believe Naylor may be back as early as Friday for the home opener. So it'll be interesting. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. The Guardians are actually off, and then uh, they're off today, and then they start the home opener on Friday against San Francisco. It's a night game. Uh, some I saw some of the, the uh, sports radio personalities were joking because now the Cavs have their play-in game at home, I believe also on Friday night. So it is going to be a party in downtown Cleveland on Friday night with the Guardians home opener, which always brings the crowd. I think they finally sold that thing out. Um, and then the Cavs have basically a playoff game at home down there too. So it's going to be one heck of a night. I know I will be flipping back and forth between those. It's going to be Plesak on the mound against Rodon from the Giants. So we just saw Rodon get out of our division, go over to, uh, you know, leave Chicago, go to the National League. You thought you wouldn't have to deal with them? Nope. Opening day. Your opening day, you're going to have to deal with Carlos Rodon. So, lefty on the mound, I would expect Owen Miller to be at first base. I would expect Oscar Mercado to be out there in right field and Ernie Clement at second. Exactly what you just saw against a lefty starter from the Reds. All right. So, get ready for the home opener. If you're new to the show, if there's no game, there's no podcast, so there won't be a podcast Friday morning. I will be back Saturday morning to talk home opener and hopefully keep this Guardians offense rolling, keep this Guardians win streak rolling, and uh, yeah, it's been a fun way to start the season. All right, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Cincinnati. It's the Guardian 7, the Reds 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.